Hey y'all, welcome to Eco Chic. If you are new to the podcast, welcome, welcome. And if you are returning, I am so glad that you're back. Eco Chic is a really fun place to talk about climate change and sustainability, a lot of things that are not necessarily common knowledge, but totally should be. My name is Laura, and I am a graduate student studying climate science. Every week, we are talking about climate change from a whole bunch of different angles, but we're also just sharing personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Today's episode is all about electric cars. I'm excited to be sitting down talking with my friend Miles all about the innovation that is going on and has yet to go on in the space of electric cars. We're talking about Tesla, we're talking about Elon Musk, basically hitting all the angles of everything you've wondered about the electric car industry. Miles and I sat down, had some hummus, had some kombucha. He brought even notes with statistics, so all of the information is super accurate. And we, we do mention the book Drawdown, which is essentially a large collection of statistical data on really good ways to combat climate change, feasible. And I will go ahead and link that down below. I've talked about it a few times in the podcast, but if you're interested in getting more into the data of different feasible strategies we have to combating climate change. So if you're interested, the link will be to Amazon. And that's just, honestly, I had it on my coffee table. It's a really interesting book to just flip through. So we get a lot of information from there as well. And with that, let's get into electric cars. All right, well, welcome. Good to be here. Welcome to Eco Chic. Um, Miles, yes. so could you introduce yourself really briefly to the audience? Or not briefly if you don't want to, you can give us your life story if you want. But. No, we won't do that. Um, hello, I'm Miles Dunlap. I'm a client assignment, climate science and solutions uh, graduate student at NAU. Um, from Ohio, I went to Kent State University. My degree was in education. Um, I was a bobsled athlete for about a year and a half. And then I decided to get a sales job and hated it. So I got a graduate position at NAU and came here without any idea of what I wanted to study. And I sat down with this girl, Brooke, who's a thrower. And she was like, oh, I'm in this really cool program called you know, Climate Science and Solutions. And I was like, what is that? I need to know more. <laughs> um, so I sat down with Amy and... Got into the program after just moving across the country on a whim, and here we are. So awesome. Yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. Awesome. So I was really excited to talk to Miles today because a couple weeks ago we were asked to speak at the Flagstaff Festival of Science mm -hmm. and give some presentations on topics that we were randomly assigned in class. So I spoke on refrigerants, which happened to be like the number one. Um, solution to combating climate change like the easiest thing we can reasonably do is fix our refrigerant disposal situation and we can cut down emissions pretty significantly so i'm not like for some reason oddly passionate about refrigeration management mm -hmm. but miles was randomly assigned electric cars and he happens to be a tesla enthusiast a general electric car enthusiast yes. so i was really really interested in talking to him a little bit more on the podcast. Electric cars are kind of like this shiny solution that everyone can buy into essentially individually. Mm -hmm. um, refrigeration management is not something that we can individually <laughs> tackle on our own, but electric cars are one of them. So mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear Miles and like the general, like really blanket sale of electric cars. Like why mm -hmm. buy an electric car? Yeah, um, the universe was kind of working in my favor with that. When I, got it, I was like, oh, yes, 
Um, yeah, it's and it, looking at like refrigeration and electric vehicles. Obviously, refrigeration isn't as like quote sexy. Um, Not at all. You know, kind of difficult to get excited about, but there is a lot of potential um, and newfound sexiness. I would say with electric vehicles than like ten years ago, where it was like a a box with basically a battery. Um, but it's 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 one of those areas that uh, is kind of being revolutionized, like within the last three years. Um, and a lot of opportunity really to, to be more efficient and have like a bigger impact than, you know, previously stated of, oh, drive an electric car and you'll save the world. But like now it's kind of getting to that point um, with like the new technology and stuff. So, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. So one of the um, arguments, I guess, that I typically put up with electric vehicles, I'm mm-hmm. all about electric and I hope to purchase an electric vehicle for my next car purchase. Mm-hmm. But um, some of the issues have to do with the embodied energy that it takes to like manufacture an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping we could talk about that a little bit. I know that before we started recording, we mm-hmm. talked about the emissions that go into making an electric car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we were saying earlier, it, it kept coming up as like an argument. And I wanted to be able to either disprove it or figure it out that it is a viable argument and then like figure how to go from there you know what i mean and uh so i i kind of dug in and did some research and that's the argument of oh electric vehicles are great but it caught it costs so much um like emissions just to manufacture the battery or the car and it turns out that it's not totally accurate if you're looking at your standard kind of mid-sized electric car like your nissan leaf or the chevy bolt or um even like the plug-in prius it's like a 15% increase in emissions in manufacturing. Compared to a regular Compared to like engine. a regular car of the same stature. And then for like a full-size electric vehicle, like like a Tesla Model X or like a, like a bigger battery, I think it's like 56% uh, increase in emissions. Which but is a lot. It is a lot. Let's acknowledge. Um, it is a lot up front. But then when you look at it, uh, in the, the amount of time that it takes to kind of negate those emissions. For like your Nissan Leaf, it takes 4,900 miles to offset those battery emissions. So it's very... That's like one cross-country drive. Yeah. So like after 4,900 miles, like it's negated and you're better than a combustion car. Right. So it's like up front, it's a lot, but it gets pretty much wiped out really quickly. Okay. And then like a... Like a Tesla Model S or a Model X, like the bigger battery, it's like 19,000 miles to offset it. And then after that, it's like a year and a half of driving. Yeah. Like your, I think the national average is like 13 or 14,000 miles yeah, I was gonna say. a year. Um, so like after a year and a half, like you're good. But it was interesting because they only include the upfront. They don't include, if you drive your car like a regular human being, you know, after a year and a half, you've totally negated those emissions. And they had um, they had like a bar graph, and they broke it up per. Um, Who is they? Like, what's this bar graph? It was a. Uh, Sorry, not to put you on a spot. No, it was this guy. Actually, this guy on Twitter, we were going back and forth, and he sent me this uh, like thirty-six page report on electric vehicles and like the breakdown. And within it, it basically had all this information that like went against his argument. So I was like, 
oh dude did you read this because like <laughs> thanks it actually helped um but it broke it down per, <laughs> it was i was yeah it was it was very weird um but it broke it down by grams of co2 per mile for each car okay and so giving it a different lens of just the upfront emissions from the battery and it takes into account the battery manufacturing and then like daily driving and charging or um like gassing up and all that kind of stuff it puts it all into one figure grams per co2 per mile <laughs> and for like your mid-sized gasoline car it's 420 grams of co2 and for the equivalent of an electric vehicle it's 210 grams of co2 so it's almost like it's half yeah and then um for like a full-size gasoline car your SUV or like full-size sedans, it's 590 grams of CO2 per mile. And then for a full-size like 265-mile range electric car, which is like kind of on average, it's 280. Okay. So 590 to 280. So it's literally like pretty much 50%. Yeah, and so is. the upfront is scary, but when you take into consideration all of it, it's still like electric vehicles are still more efficient, better for the environment. Right. Um, but yeah, when that dude said that, it's like, oh, the 20, 20 tons of CO2, like he didn't use, he didn't add what it costs emission wise to manufacture a gasoline car. Right. So he just threw out like a 20 ton, like this big number that seems very scary. But when you look at it, like for a smaller electric car, it's 15% more. Right. So you're looking at like 17 tons of CO2. But that's like misinformation. So I had to do research. And in doing research, I got my answer. So awesome. yeah, it's misleading. Yeah, that's misleading. So the embedded cost for um, producing an electric car, a lot of that has to do with the battery. Mm-hmm. And so we do have issues with batteries right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the largest challenge that we have when it comes to electric cars right now. Yeah. So... A lot of people don't realize, just taking a step back, how you're fueling your electric vehicle. A Mm -hmm. lot of the time is via coal, if your electricity Mm -hmm. is being produced by a fossil fuel power plant Mm -hmm. in your area. It depends on where you live. So you're still, in theory, like contributing to some CO2. But obviously, your emissions are significantly less than that of a combustion engine. Um, and then if you're talking about the battery, like what are some of the issues we have with battery storage? Like why is that such a hot topic right now? Well, in, initially with batteries, one of the other things I found in, in doing some research is like one of the big problems is at the end of the life cycle. Like what do you do with the battery? In the same way like we talked with refrigeration, what do you do? How do you recycle this? Because that's when a lot of the emissions happen. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I found Um, Especially with Tesla, what they're doing, they have like a battery recycle program. So at the end of the lifespan of the battery, they're able to recycle it. And I believe, if I remember correctly, of the initial emissions from manufacturing that battery, when they recycle it, they get 70% of that back. Oh, wow. Through the recycling process. 70% is like a pretty high turnover rate for yeah. a recycled battery. It's um, a and, lot higher than I would have thought. Yeah. And that's one thing that doesn't get a lot of attention. But especially when you look at the upfront emission costs, like when you get 70% of that back um, through recycling, like that's huge. And that 50% difference between gas and electric becomes mm-hmm. like even bigger. Yeah. But yeah, that's like one of the things I was kind of shocked about with, with batteries. Really, it's just trying to 
it's capacity and efficiency and trying to um, create more storage with a smaller battery because a lot of times your battery has to be very big and it has to be very heavy and then it limits like what you can do with the car and so figuring out how to make it smaller but make it you know higher capacity and make it more efficient is kind of what's what's currently going on really that's that's where the most innovation is going to happen and mm-hmm. that's one of the cool things um like going on with electric vehicles right now especially with like tesla making all their public patent patents public is that you have all that information and so many people can access that and it's like a collaborative process of just trying to make this better so i think that's going to be really interesting to see over like the next three years yeah of what people can put like their own spin on like that technology and how much better it can get. It's like the iPhone. Like you look at 10 years ago, you had this iPhone that, you know, was basically in the stone age compared to now. And it's been like, I think 10 years now. I just did 10 years, it came out in 2008. So I I think that the same thing that you've seen with like smartphones and battery capacity and all that other stuff, I think it's gonna transition over to electric vehicles as well. I'm glad that you talked about the Tesla patents being public. Mm Um, cause I think that's a really cool forward thinking thing that they did as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about Tesla as a okay. company. Cause I think when it comes to electric vehicles, Tesla is kind of just like the golden standard that everyone wants to yeah. really dive into. And there's sometimes some controversy about Tesla and mm-hmm. there's sometimes, I know you're a big fan of Elon I and I want to just kind of talk about like the good that Tesla is actually doing in the electric vehicle space, because I think the patent, like making patents public is incredible. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, that's such a great contribution to science as a whole, like body of knowledge and how we can progress against climate change. So yeah. One of the first things I'd start with is, is the why, like why? So with like Elon, why is he doing this? So if you look, if you do any research on him, he made like a hundred million, $180 million off PayPal. Like he was one of the dudes that created PayPal and hmm. sold it and got 180 million. And so when you look at what he decided to do next, you kind of figure out his motive. So he decided to start a space company and a car company. And like if you're looking to make money, those are probably two of the worst things to like pursue yeah. in the history of ideas. <laughs> and so, so like cuz he someone tweeted at him the other day and was like Oh, Tesla's just a money grab. And he's like, dude, if I wanted money, like I would have just made another software program. Like, it doesn't make any sense that I would try and start a car company where I think no successful car company has been started since like 1930. Oh, awesome. In like space. I mean, like <laughs> one rocket blows up and you're you're done for life. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> that's, yeah. So when you look at motives, like I think he has a quote if something's important enough, you pursue it regardless of like what the odds are. I think mm-hmm. I just butchered that quote, but you get the message. And so one of the things that he decided to do was make the patents public because half the time they're fighting for their life to just even stay alive. Mm-hmm. Like I read, a, I read his book and there was like many times where they like didn't even have money to like pay their employees. Oh, and really? they were just like waiting on the next thing to like hopefully be successful. And uh, so, like, Tesla has been on life support a lot um, and on the verge of, like, failing. Um, But with Tesla, it's – I think it's important to advocate for them 
because they are literally like the only purely electric vehicle company. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chevy has an electric vehicle. Honda has an electric vehicle. Nissan has an electric vehicle, but primarily it's still like a fossil fuel combustion engine car. And so if you're going to like choose an electric vehicle, like why would you not choose the one that's mo you know, the most beneficial and right. like trying to set a standard. So we have talked about sales yes. and I know that you have some really good numbers on how Tesla compares to other cars. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really interesting because depending on where you live, you see some or you don't see any. I know that like mm-hmm. when I'm home in Miami, there's Teslas everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm here in Flagstaff and I see like one a month, I'm like, oh, how exciting. Yeah. So how are they doing like sales wise? And why is that important to acknowledge when it comes to the, I don't want to use the word controversy, but like kind of the... Not stigma either, just yeah. like the... With, with controversy, I think when you, you look at... They, he, they've put out a lot of st- stuff on um, like headlines mm-hmm. that Tesla or Elon gets. And the percentage of like negative headlines in comparison to positive is like... It's like 78% of uh, any headline that for Tesla is like negative. And they're doing a lot of great stuff, so it's yeah. like, why? Um, but in Ju- July, they outsold BMW... Uh, in all car sales. In all car sales, all yeah. Car Tesla sales. versus BMW. Yeah. And this past July, yeah, July of 2018. July, okay, yeah. wow. And then in August, it was July or August, they led all premium mid uh, size car sales. They beat Audi, they beat Mercedes, they beat Lexus, they beat BMW. And then the, the Q3 numbers just came out and Tesla outsold Mercedes, and Mercedes is like the people that invented the car, um, which was kind of like huge. But Mercedes sold like 66,500 cars, and Tesla sold 69,900 cars. So they're... uh, So this is like individual sales that they're surpassing, like units as opposed to dollars. Okay. Yeah. With BMW, it was either in July or August, Tesla outsold like literally all BMW passenger car sales combined. Wow, that's incredible. It's happening a lot faster like than what even like the book, like drawdown. Mm-hmm. Everything that's based off of is like passenger miles rising to like 16% for electric vehicles by, uh, what is that, 2050? And so you're seeing that now it's going to be way more than 16%. I think like one of the other statistics was Last year, global car sales increased by like 1.1 million units. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And, well, that was just like general car sales. But yeah. of those 1.1 million, like 565,000 were electric vehicles. So not even just like Tesla, but just like right. electric vehicles in general. Of the increase, it was like more than half. But also just saying like 1.1 million, like that's so many individual consumers that are yeah. purchasing cars that can yeah. contribute to either going electric or not going electric, like our general fossil fuel issues. Mm-hmm. Consumerism. Consumerism. Yeah. Because we have like a lot of problems mm-hmm. in, in the United States, but also the world. Consuming products is one of those issues. It's like we just consume so much. We don't recycle. We don't reuse. We just buy, buy, buy throughout, throughout, throughout. And like when you look at the auto industry, that's like a common theme, right? They come out with a new model year every year. There's your... 
2012 Chevy Cruze, your 2013 Chevy Cruze, and your 2015 Chevy Cruze, and like what changes year to year? They're just like churning out more cars for people to drive for three years, and then they get another one, and so you have all these cars on the road. And one of the things that I really dig about Tesla is just kind of like their business model, where they give you your their best car, and that's it. Like there's no model year. Yeah, 2012, 2013, it's just their best car. And because it's electric and it has, you know, really advanced electronics, you can update it like your phone and improve it. Only unlike Apple, Apple purposely slows down on your phone, so you have to buy a new (laughs) one. Um, But when you get a software update for your Tesla, it improves it. So you can have a Tesla that you bought in 2012 or 2013, but have the tech of a 2018 Tesla so that you can keep a car for longer, drive it for longer, and I guess ultimately reduce like the amount of cars that you would purchase over your lifetime, um, which taps into that like consumerism of re- trying to reduce things and really like get your money's worth. And with electric vehicles, you can drive a car longer. Um, when you look at especially like manufacturing and everything that goes into it. Electric cars are pretty simple for the most part. Like you don't have to, you know, there's no oil filter. You don't have to change your oil. You don't have to do all that stuff. So there's less moving parts. So like with Priuses, like most Priuses are on the road, like 200, 250,000, 300 miles that you can like get out of a Prius because there's just less stuff to break down. Yeah, that makes sense. And with a Tesla or like another electric vehicle, they're purely electric. So it's like a single gearbox, you know, your transmission doesn't go bad. And like there's Teslas on the road with like 300, 400,000 miles. Wow, that's amazing. I never really thought about that. Like you just have less things to break down. Yeah, so like with your capability of like longevity goes through the roof with electric vehicles in general, just because there's less stuff to break. And from a manufacturing standpoint, it's much simpler and and a lot of them have like regenerative braking. So really like the only thing you have to worry about on an electric vehicle is like changing your tires. Hmm. And then your brakes like every so often. But with like regenerative braking, when your car slows down, it takes like that kinetic energy and puts it like back into the battery. So it like does something with the brakes, which is kind of cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Huh. I'm glad that you touched on the fact that there's no model years because that's something that I knew but didn't really like realize the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a car that lasts so long, while it's a really great environmental thing, you're mm-hmm. reducing the amount of cars that you buy over your lifetime and just like reducing the maintenance and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like kind of a counterintuitive business model. Like you're selling people a lot less cars. You Yeah, right? So that goes back to the money grab. Of yeah. Like, oh, it's just a money grab. Like think, just take 30 seconds yeah. and like think about it. Um, but it one of the things in the book also talk, like the reason why electric vehicles haven't like taken off is there's, there's a limited selection, you know, there's not a lot of them. And Tesla has three cars. They have the Model 3, the Model S, and the Model X. And they're leading sales with three cars, you know, compared to Honda. Or, you know, they have just a plethora of, like, vehicles. And I think that goes into the idea of quality over quantity. Like, if you make something super dope, people are going to buy it. And I think that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Benefits them a lot. And it's also interesting to think that, yes, they only have three 
models to choose from Mm -hmm. Tesla. And then you're still talking about how the individual units are outselling all of these other major premium car brands. So it's not really a matter of selection at the end of the day. So you mentioned Drawdown. Mm -hmm. I've talked about Drawdown a couple times before on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. just like if anyone's listening who isn't familiar, it is a book. It's essentially a collection of statistics of the hundred most reasonable, practical ways that we can combat climate change. So like I said earlier, refrigeration management would be the number one. Um, I believe electric vehicles was listed as number six, but the book has been out for, for what, two years, three years maybe. And it's already very delayed, especially in a space like electric vehicles Mm -hmm. that's being innovated so quickly. Yeah. And there is a website that's like constantly being updated with statistics and just like the rankings of different solutions. So like other solutions would be my favorite to talk about is educating women and girls is Mm -hmm. the number six solution to combat climate change and Mm -hmm. just thinking about like social movement and things like that. So it's just like a really holistic collection of data. So that's where we're pulling a lot of our knowledge on these more individual solutions. So one of the issues they had that they were like, electric vehicles are only number 26 in our list of 100 ways Mm -hmm. to combat climate change because of Battery storage, mm-hmm. models like low selection yeah. or whatever it might be. And the other thing was like um, charging stations, yeah, right? range anxiety. Range anxiety. And I feel like we could like talk about range a little bit. We don't have to like mm-hmm. get into it too much. Um, but that has to do with batteries and just like yeah. battery capacity. And I feel like people don't realize how many charging stations there actually are all around the country. Mm-hmm. I was out at Grand Staircase Escalante National Mm -hmm. Monument, like middle of nowhere, Southern Utah. Yeah. And there's a Tesla charging station inside the National Monument. Yeah. There's like, they're everywhere. They really are. And um, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's just such easy access to charging stations. Yeah. The the one day Buck and I sat down and I like pulled up the map of him of just like, not even Tesla, but just like charging stations nationwide. And he was like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, he's like, dude, they're everywhere. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like with the with the book, they're like the solution to electric vehicles taking off is going to be range anxiety or charging stations and uh, like putting more charging stations. And I was like, okay, yeah. But if you only have like an 80 mile range, like no one wants to drive 80 miles, stop, 80 miles, stop. So the solution has to be obviously an improved charging network, but like your battery has to get better so that it can compete with a gas car, you know, where you have three, four, 500 mile range. But like with, with charging stations, especially right now, I know the ones on campus like are free. If you have a parking pass for mm-hmm. that area, like you can charge your car there huh. um, for free. Yeah. But I didn't really think about the cost of charging stations. Like, Yeah. I guess well, that makes sense because you pay for gasoline, so you... Yeah. With, like, Tesla was doing it in a center for a while, you would get, like, free supercharging. And now it's, like, after they sold, like, so many units, it, it went away. But you can uh, have, like, credits now. It's, like, $100, $100 worth of free charging, stuff like that. Um, but, like, especially right now, like, electricity is definitely cheaper than gasoline to charge. And it's only getting cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with... So with, like, charging... Um, getting back to what we were talking about, um, <laughs> charging, charging and batteries right now, Tesla's kind of leading that of like range. Um, like the long range model three is like 310 miles, which is like getting closer to gasoline cars where like a lot of the BMW, what 
is it I three or something like that? Like the little mini car. Mm-hmm. One of them gets like eighty miles, and the other gets like one hundred and twenty. Oh. Um, so it's, it, you run into that like literal range anxiety. And with the Roadster that comes out in twenty twenty, it'll have six hundred mile range. But there's, it's like literally no improvement of battery. They just took like 200 kilowatt batteries and stacked them on top of each other. Because huh. they could do that because it's like a sports car. But with with charging stations, they have it set up. So like with the software, um, it's like integrated where you could drive across the country. And within the navigation and stuff, it knows where everything is at. And so you can literally get from like California to New York on a charging network. Like you can make it. So oh, it's wow. like all integrated. And when you use autopilot and stuff like that, it'll be like, hey, you've got 80 miles left. You know, we should probably go to this charging station. And it's, it's all very integrated. And even when they get to like the full self-driving, they actually with the Tesla Semi, they drove, there was nobody in it. And they drove from uh, like Palo Alto to, was I think Walmart headquarters in Chicago. It just like drove itself there no. and like showed up because they were like thinking of buying them. So they just put it on full self-drive and it drove there and was like, hey, what's up? Oh my God, I love that. And I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so funny. It's pretty dope. That's quite dope. Yeah. Um, awesome. I guess the only thing with Tesla is like how well they're doing right now. It's like with the Model 3, the whole thing that they advertised with the Model 3 was like, it's going to be your affordable electric car and it starts at 35000 and that puts, you know, electric vehicles in a lot more people's budget. Yeah. But they haven't even gotten there yet. The Model 3s that they've been selling have been starting at forty nine grand because they're the long-range all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So, like, smaller battery, which is, like, 220-mile range, rear-wheel drive is the one that starts at thirty five grand. And so they've been trying to figure out, um, like, production issues and stuff like that so they've been like churning out just like one specific version of that car and they're selling all these cars and they haven't even tapped into that other market of actually like your affordable electric car. Yeah. So I'm It's like fifteen thousand dollars less, that's pretty significant. Yeah. And that's gonna be interesting to see once because um, even the, the range that they're in right now, like I don't think there's like a Camry or a Honda Accord that like runs probably more than like 45 grand, like fully loaded. Yeah, that sounds super accurate. Yeah, so like once they drop down into that market, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see just how like much they dominate. Cause yeah. they're already like going crazy. I think that market is much bigger too. Like, oh yeah, a absolutely. Huge population falls into that like spectrum, like 35 to 40 grand. Especially like people leasing cars and stuff like that. So that's that'll be definitely interesting to see, which I'm excited about because that kind of falls into my budget. <laughs> yeah, no, that's real, that's a huge amount of the population that can now afford an electric vehicle and like yeah. reasonably consider a premium electric car. Yeah, yeah, the thirty five thousand range is going to be like a total game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, for consumerism at the beginning, just like people can now afford things. Yeah. But also like people who are making that choice, not because it's an electric vehicle, but because it's a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this shiny, sexy car. I want to be a part of this Mm -hmm. group of people who are Tesla drivers. Yeah. They're not necessarily making it for an environmental choice. And Mm -hmm. that's a really awesome thing to also consider. Like all of the people who are going to be 
I mean, in theory, like forced into being great environmental stewards via their driving habits. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something to get really excited about, too. Yeah. I love when people are accidentally environmentalists. Right. It's like (laughs) they just think it's dope. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's actually beneficial, too. Oh, cool. Sign me up. Yeah, works. Um, Yeah, they they just so when you if you have an electric vehicle, you get like a I think it's like an initial seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. Um, but after, like for Tesla, for example, after they sold so many cars, it goes to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't get the like incentive anymore, which I think is kind of crap because especially if we're trying to push something like electric vehicles, if you want something to happen, you have to incentivize it. So I feel like they should incentivize it more. Um, but that's that's kind of government. Yeah, political. Yeah, yeah but it is what it is. Um, so, Miles, would you like to share your social media handles if people have more questions about electric cars, Tesla? Of course. You don't um, have to. No. I know you're a regular person, but I know you're big on the Twitterverse of I'm, I'm a big talking to people about Elon. Um, I think Twitter is quarter miles because I used to run track and my name's Miles. <laughs> um, and I think Instagram is Miles Dunlap underscore i'll put them all down in the show notes yeah yeah, yeah. quarter miles and miles dunlap underscore so yeah i get actively engaged in the twitter sphere <laughs> educating people and sometimes get educated myself which is cool I hope y'all enjoyed that episode with Miles. I feel really well informed now on the electric car space and there is always more to learn. It's always changing. So if you're interested in talking to him more about statistics or new innovations or just picking his brain a little bit more, I will have all of Miles' social media links down below. And with that, in past episodes of Eco Chic, we have been answering questions at the end of every episode. So just general questions that people ask me in DMs or via Instagram stories or via email or whatever it might be in real life. Um, So I think it's really fun to answer them on the podcast because a lot of the questions come up multiple times. And if one person has the question, it seems like multiple people will have it. So today's question comes from my friend Annie. And Annie asked me, what do I do with cracked Tupperware? So this is kind of a common question in the zero waste world. People who are transitioning to a more eco-conscious lifestyle and want to move their kitchens to more glass containers or more reusable products, things of that sort. So something to consider here is that you should definitely use everything you have to its end of life point. So use your Tupperware, your plastic Tupperware, until it is cracked and not usable anymore. Don't just throw everything out just for the sake of being a little bit more environmentally conscious. An important thing to remember when it comes to sustainability is that it's really about using what you have and using it really wisely. So with that, make sure you're using all of your Tupperware until it is cracked. And then once it's cracked, your Tupperware is plastic, so you can totally recycle this if you can recycle most plastics in your city. So definitely on the bottom of the Tupperware, there should be a little number and make sure that that number plastic is recyclable in your city. In most cities, you can recycle Tupperwares. I know that I personally can't in my tiny town, but in most large cities with full recycling facilities, you should be able to properly recycle your Tupperware just like you recycle anything else you get from the grocery store and put in your recycling bin. There are a lot of things that we don't realize that we can totally recycle and we just think that they have to go to a landfill and we have to find another solution for them. So a really common thing that I bring up with people is bath products and toiletries. Plastic shampoo bottles, for the most part, totally recyclable. Or soap bottles, things of that sort. Um, Toothpaste tubes are a little bit harder, but just being a little bit more conscious about like knowing that you can recycle a lot more than you realize. 
But with that, make sure that you know the recycling laws in your city, because if you are contaminating the recycling with things that are not recyclable, a lot of the time that whole bag of recycling is just going to end up in a landfill facility. So not recycling properly is just as harmful as not recycling at all. But yeah, for the most part, it just takes a little bit of mindfulness. Tupperware is totally recyclable. If you're interested in talking more about science or sustainability or whatever else it might be, it is really easy to get in contact with me via Instagram. I am at Laura E. Diaz, and there is now also an Eco Chic Podcast specific Instagram, which I'm really excited about, and it's just at Eco Chic Podcast, and I'll have both of those down below. You can also shoot me an email at laura at lauraediaz.com, which will, again, also be down below. And I always want to be really thankful for your support and your listening, and I appreciate everything, and I appreciate all your kindness. I got a lot of great feedback after last week's episode on eco-feminism, and if you haven't listened to that yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Really enlightening in this political climate that we have going on. But for the most part, I just want to continue to be helpful and be a helpful resource to everybody when it comes to environmentalism. So if you enjoy this podcast, please go ahead and follow, subscribe, whatever it might be on your preferred listening platform and rate it and review it and share it with your friends. And I think that's the easiest way for us to continue to encourage people to just think a little bit more eco-consciously about their life choices, because I always like to say, you don't have to do everything. Do what works for you. But at the end of the day, nothing in our lives acts outside of climate change. Everything we do has an environmental impact. So I really hope that this podcast continues to be a place where we can just think a little bit more broadly about the choices that we're making on a day-to-day basis. With that, I hope you have a really awesome day and thank you so much again for listening and I will see you next week.